you like to just worship him and lay aside your lists sometimes? You know, as we go on in time, the longer that our list becomes, our prayer request and our prayer list and all these things, but I hope we never get to a spot that we focus so much on that, that we don't come to him just to let him know how much we love him, just to worship him and praise him and what it means to him. So it's nice to be together tonight in the house of the Lord. Thank God for the opportunity we can be gathered. Let's turn, if you would, tonight to Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. This is kind of a parallel of what we've been looking at in Luke chapter 21, but as men will do, if um, four or five of us brothers all together and we heard someone telling a story and something would stick out to me and something different might stick out to Brother Dave and something different might stick out to Brother Fred and then we would all begin to write that story. It would be amazing the different things that we would write about that story. And the four Gospels are that way in that one of them deals with the deity, the other deals with the humanity, other deals with the Son of God, other deals with the King, and uh, <clears throat> God did it that way on purpose so that there would be a full perspective of this great personality of the Lord Jesus. Uh, but they didn't just do that about the person of the Lord, but they did that about prophecy and other things that he said as well. So let's read here and we'll see how... Matthew uh, coined these words, uh, Matthew twenty four thirty six. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, or the Greek word here is deluge, which is a total submersion. Before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Now what's wrong with that? What's the sin in eating or drinking or marrying or giving in marriage? But you see, these people were so drunk on the natural things of life, it's all they thought about. It's all they thought about. So it was just everyday living. They were just drunk on everyday living. And they, until the day, now think about it, until the day, until the day. It was not like that they begin to feel something strange is going on. And about a month out or two months out or six months out, <clears throat> the people begin to get worried and all concerned. No. They were so blind to that age. They went right on till the very 
day. If you have an unction that we are in a changing time, you ought to be one of the happiest people in the world. Because the majority of the world is going to wind up being like this. This is what Jesus said. Until the day that Noah entered the ark. Now listen, what this next verse is just amazing to me. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. But now, because this is a merging of two prophetic insights, the Lord Jesus, and we'll read it here momentarily, the Lord Jesus is also going to tell us as it was in the days of Lot. Now, I want you to think of this. In the days of Noah, they only had the conditions of Noah's day. In the days of Lot, they had the conditions of Lot's day. But Jesus said there will come a time on the earth when these conditions will merge into a prophetic landscape. Brother, sister, we are here. We're not only in the days of Noah, but we are also in the days of Sodom. Now, in the days of Noah, it took them all away. But Jesus said, as it was in the days of Lot, or in the days of Sodom, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. There will be two at the mill grinding, one taken and the other left. In the days of Noah, they were all taken. But in the days of Lot, some were taken and some were not. Isn't it amazing? The paradox of where we are, of both of these great prophetic junctions running together before our eyes. The junction of time, again, we've been reading from there. When all hell turns loose, all heaven turns loose also. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God raises up a standard against it. And these two forces has always showed at the junction. So we're living in a great time. How many believe we are? It's a great time. It's a time of great miracles, which also means it's a time of great sickness. It's a time of great light, which also means it's a time of great darkness. So we're at the junction. Let's pray together, can we? Heavenly Fathers, we bow our heads tonight. Lord, it is with great love, respect, and reverence into your holy name and your presence that we come. Thanking you, Lord Jesus, that you've made a way that we who were one time lost and called dogs and without the commonwealth of Israel were able to stand here tonight as sons and daughters of God. For that, we are eternally grateful. So happy that we can call you Papa, call you our Father. Lord Jesus, as we bow our heads to the dust of the earth and we want to bring with all of our hearts thanksgiving for the things that you've done, 
We want to thank you for keeping us in this evil age, in this evil time. Father, you see our needs. You've heard the many requests that Brother Joel has read tonight, and no doubt there's many, many more. But we bring them all to you and lay them at your feet. Dear God, this handkerchief that I have in my hand, this request of Brother Frank Williams, I pray, Father, that you would just move, Lord, as I preach with this tonight. May the anointing, Lord God, we believe we're not St. Paul or Peter or any of those great men like that. But what we do believe is you're still Jesus. So I pray, Father, that you administer to this need. Help me to get out of the way tonight, Father. Lord God, anoint the people. Anoint me. Speak to us tonight of heavenly things. Lord, we're in an age of contrast, so we know that we must hear earthly things in order to contrast them with the greatness of the heavenly things. So help us to be able to go back and forth between the two spheres, as it were, and hear you speak. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you, saints. So good to see you tonight. Appreciate and love you. You can be seated. Let us read this now as the Lord Jesus brings it down uh, in, in, in verse 40. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken, and the other left. What a time of contrast. When's this going to be? At the very last junction between the merging of the phasing out of the Gentiles and the rebirth of Israel, the 144,000. It will never be quite like this. Now, when Enoch lived in the foreshadowing of this great rapture, but it was somewhat different in Enoch's day because God was taking him and going to make a type out of one man. But as we can see from the setting that the Lord Jesus gave, he said, then shall be two in the field, one taken and the other left. Now, the Lord Jesus is using the symbolism that they would have been familiar with if he would have prophetically said it he could have said, there'll be two in the factory. One will be a machinist and another will be that. They wouldn't have understood at all what he was even talking about. So he used the terms that would have been common to them. Now, more than likely in the day we're living, that there won't be that many people in the field. Or in this next verse 41, two women shall be grinding at the mill. Well, there's probably not a woman here that's ever even ground at a mill in her lifetime. But yet it would symbolize that it would be, they would be about their activity. Now, if you know anything about this time frame, you know that it was always the women that took the grain to the mill. And many times, actually, it was the women that did the grinding themselves. And he said, two women shall be grinding at the mill. So here is one that was saved, one that was bride, that one that was ready for the rapture. Apparently an acquaintance, a friend, might have been a mother and a daughter. Could have been two sisters. Could have been a mother or it could have been a grandmother and a granddaughter. It could have been two women that met on the way and that never even known each other before. 
But yet, there they are. They're just doing their activity. Grinding at the mill is not wrong. Grinding at the mill is not sinful. No more than two being in the field. But it shows that these two people can be doing the same non-sin, essential activity and life, and neither one of them are condemned by this non-sin, essential activity that they're doing, but they are rewarded according to who they are by what they are from their soul. So it's not that going to the mill was sin, being in the field was sin, grinding was sin. What was it that determined the outcome? One was taken, one was left. Imagine that it must have been when this will happen. When the Lord Jesus said this to the apostles, And them sitting there, now they've never heard this quite like this before. In their minds thinking, what a strange time that a mother, a daughter, a grandmother, a granddaughter, two friends, two acquaintances, they're standing there talking. Uh, Mary, have you heard that you're having a sale over at so-and-so and Mary doesn't answer. So, uh, Maria, Leah, whoever more, looks around and says, Mary? Mary? Mary's basket is there. Mary's grain is there. But Mary is not there. One was taken and the other left. Now, both of these women were under the influence of something. There's no way that you can be immortal out in the field, grinding, machinist, whatever you are, and all of a sudden, you're standing there with this piece of metal or aluminum or adonized steel or whatever it is, and you're going to make something, and you lay that on a mill and you type in the digital increments of what you're going to do, and the next thing, you have totally disappeared. Your bones, your tissue, your cells, your muscles, your hair, your teeth, everything about you has been transformed in a twinkling of an eye, and you're gone. And another person standing over there in a meal just exactly like you are running and they are left. How can this be? What would cause it to happen? Reflecting the influence that they chose to live under. Now the other one that was left made a choice as well. Now it's not that the one that was taken was taken against their will. It's not that God, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, which one should go? No. It was not that God said, I like you, but I don't like you. I like you, but I don't like you. No. But there was something that preceded these verses, and that was what we've been talking about, that we're getting under the influence of a spirit in the last days. 
Everybody in the world today is under the influence of something. Right, wrong, politics, hate, love, rebellion, stubbornness, anti-police, anti-this, anti-that, anti-Christ, anti-word, right? So we are all going to be for things and we must be against things. So what a time of contrast that we are living that these two prophetic timelines are merged together in one particular season, which is our season. So it will be as it was in the days of Noah that there will be some that will be carried away as it were not by water this time, but they will be carried away by the politics of the time. They will be carried away with the fashions of the world. They will be carried away with religion or carried away with this doctrine or that doctrine. And they won't know it until the bride is done, come and gone. And then all hell will really turn loose. And they'll begin to ask the question, I thought there was supposed to be a rapture. And the prophet tells us a voice will come back from heaven and say it already happened and you didn't know it. Now, watch what God is actually doing. Let's read this again, verse 41. Two women shall be grinding at the meal. The one shall be taken and the other left. Now, actually what God is doing is the consummation of something that started happening in the lives of these individuals years prior to this. Now, for some, it might have been a year, six months, whatever more. They were some of the last ones to come in. God did a very fast, quick work in their life, but it was still the same process except just speeded up. And that is, it is a work of separation. Now, what happens right here is the consummation in verse 41 of the lives of these believers which have been separated for many, many years. Some of them for actually decades. But verse 41, their life is actually crowned with divine separation. You see, one day you will not, never, ever, 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 you will never despise separating yourself from the world and the things of the world. Now, for some of you, it's been hard because you've had to separate from family, friends, loved ones, people that you really, really loved and cared for. But when it comes to the Word, you chose the Word over everything, over everybody, over whatever was out there, you chose the Word. And by doing that, God started a work of separation inside of you. So would not it be then the crowning element that God would reward you with the greatest separation that could ever be? And that is one taken and the other left. Now, you see, God will crown the separated ones with the greatest of all separations, and that they will be separated from mortality, from time, from sickness, from trouble, 
and from this world. What a thing to be crowned with. Now, the very thing then that the people who have turned down separation, oh, I'd love to go to that church, but I could never, I, I could never wear dresses all the time. I could never wear a skirt to church. I could never feel comfortable not wearing makeup on my face. I, I would never, oh, I, I couldn't stand it for people to laugh at me and make fun of me, okay? The very thing that they refuse to do, the crowning of their lives will be exactly the opposite of what the bride will have. They refuse to separate from families and friends and loved ones. Oh, I can never dress like that. I can never do that. I can never give up my country music. I can never separate from this and that and the other. And because you cannot, then God will give you what you deserve. God will leave you here. You don't separate you don't go. You act like the world. You think like the world. You live like the world. You do like the world. When verse 41 takes place, you are identified with the world. But those who have chosen by the grace of God. Now, we know that actually the first Hebrew was a man by the name of Abram. He actually wasn't a Hebrew. The word Hebrew, they say, actually comes from the word Eber, which was of the genealogy from whence Abram came forth. And we know that the word Jew actually comes from the word Judah, the tribe Judah. Now, they begin to call them that hundreds of years, of course, after Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and so on. So it was a word that they begin to call them. So the word Hebrew coming from the word Eber, but actually the prophet tells us that Abraham was a Gentile. His father sold gods, and Abraham worked in a god shop. What a place to be employed, huh? So maybe somebody would come in and pick up a god and they'd knock that god off or they'd set it on the edge of a shelf, you know, and they would just leave it kind of sitting there and somebody else would come in and tip it off and they'd break that god. And you imagine Abraham having to take him back there in the secret compartment chamber part, you know, and Abraham would have to replace the eye of this god and the hand of that god and the foot of that one god and take him back out there and set him out. Ain't you glad nobody can replace your god? God's eye, or your God's foot, or your God's arm, or whatever more. Oh, wouldn't you hate to have a God that you had to superglue? Wouldn't you hate to have a God that you had to send him off somewhere and have him repaired to China? Boy, you'd get in a real need, and he'd be on the boat to China, or the slow boat coming back. I'm not sure what you'd do if that boat sunk, would you? You wouldn't have no more God. So Abraham was a Gentile. He was a heathen. He was not searching for God. But the very foundation by which the call of the elect began was separate yourself from this land and go out and I will show you a land that I will give you. So notice the call of the elect begins with the crown in reverse. 
Notice now, God goes to dealing with a man, and he doesn't pour out all kinds of blessings and just give him multitudes of children and all kinds of sheep and oxen and goats and money and cars and houses and lands that would say on this day. And then God said, now look, boy, I'm going to do this and this and this. If you'll separate yourself. No, God calls for separation first. Now, we know that he took his, his nephew Lot and his father actually went with him, which the prophet tells us was nothing but a fly in the ointment. And God never did really fully bless him until he was able to completely separate himself. Now, when God allowed the, the disturbance to come between Lot's herdsmen and Abram's herdsmen, and they had a great divide in the message of that day uh, of, of who had the right to feed the sheep whether you should just play tapes or preach or whatever, you know. So there's really debating over who had the right to feed the sheep and, you know, you can't do that and all you gotta do is push play and then they say, well, we're, we're doing what play said. We're saying what play said. So there was a great divide as we'd say in the message and then Lot, of course, went back toward the ways of the world, uh-huh, and wanted to pack the word on a new cart. So he wanted to do away with the original apostolic way of carrying the word. I wish somebody would say amen. And then whenever Lot went his way, the Bible tells us in the very next verse that the Lord spoke to Abram and said, lift up your head and look about from the east to the west. Isn't it amazing? After the separation, then the crowning of the revelation come to Abraham, all this land will I give you. So we can see the call of election is based and has its roots not only in grace and not only in foreknowledge, and it does, but um, that's, that's God's part of what he does. But he also then gives us the test of will we separate ourselves. Now, this is what's always so hard for human beings because God will bring it right down. And the Lord Jesus said, don't think I've come to bring peace. I have come to bring a sword. I have come to set a man at variance with his family. I will set fathers against sons. Now look, that don't mean the same thing. When you and I say that in our Western civilization, that does not mean what it did to them. Do you understand that whenever Abram went out with his father, that Abram, even though a married man, was still under the headship of his daddy? They could be 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years old and still be under the headship of their father. And if their father told them, no, you're not going here, no, you're not doing that, they wouldn't like the rebellious Westerners that we are. If they, their daddy had told them, daddy, I'm a, we say, glory to God, I'm 16. It said, if you're 116, you do it or I'll smack your mouth. Now you do whatever one you want. You know what you'd have done? If you had any sense, you'd have mounted your daddy. But it was so difficult. Now we read the Bible through our Western civilization thinking, but for Abraham to do all of this, it was so hard. He defied culture. He defied tradition. He defied everything to separate. But when the separation come, God crowned him with the revelation of the keys to the entire land of promise. 
Now then Satan learned this and Satan will try to turn it around. Now notice what he's going to do. According to what Jesus said here, two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken and the other left. So he will separate the saints with the climax of this wonderful separation. And then in the next phase of this, he will make himself to be admired in the saints. Watch this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 10. Paul said, when he shall come to be glorified in the saints and to be admired. Now listen what he's going to do. He will actually come to be glorified in the saints. This is the bride coming that will consummate in our bodies being changed like his. Notice the coming of the Lord is not just that people will see great streams of light coming from the Lord Jesus. They'll never even see that anyhow. But this coming is about the bodily union between the bridegroom and the bride. That the bride will have finally attained a body like his. Don't you understand? What he really, really wants is not just to be able to come, to come in midair. He's not just wanting to come in midair. He's wanting to come and call you out from your home. Glory to God. He's wanting to be according to what Paul said. He's wanting to be glorified in the saints. How will that be, Brother Donnie, when we get our new bodies? When he shall come to be glorified in the saints and to be admired in all them that believe. He's going to be glorified in the saints whenever we get our new bodies. He will be glorified in us, but he will also be admired in us. Can't you see? We are his crowning. We are his crowning. The bride is the, the Lord's children. The bride is the crowning of the work of the proof of the success that Calvary really did work. And it's not only our soul and the healing of our bodies, but when our bodies will actually be changed, the Lord Jesus will be glorified as the Father was glorified in the Son when he raised from the dead. So the Son will be glorified in the bride when we raise from the dead. And when he is glorified in the bride, not only that, but the Lord Jesus will be admired in us. By whom? It will not be the tribulation saints. It won't be the 144,000. They'll be here on the earth. It will be the angelic host and the myriads of those cherubims and seraphims and zoons and all of those heavenly beings. Can you imagine when they see the Lord Jesus glorified in us and we walk up before him in glorified bodies and there they will finally see the reflected image of the Lord Jesus in a bride. Praise God, hallelujah. When he shall come to be glorified in his saints, notice he claims them as his own, in his saints, and to be admired in all them admired. Oh my 
goodness. Can you imagine to be glorified in us? But the Lord Jesus not only wants to share his glory with you, but admiration. We all, we all know what admiration is, right? And we look at people and, well, I admire them. I admire that person because they stand for truth. I admire that person. They have really been tested and tried. I want you to read their testimony. Don't you just admire somebody like that? Oh, yes, yes. I admire so-and-so. They get up there and sing. And, oh, my, you can see they was really putting forth an effort. And they was, you know, we know they got this. I really admire them. It's a word that we're very familiar with. But can you imagine the Lord Jesus being admired in his saints? And these great hosts of angelic beings admiring the Lord Jesus in the bride. Because, and this is why, to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Now, can you imagine Paul is tying this glorification and this admiration to believing the message of the hour? Now, notice he does not say, just because you all believed on the Lord Jesus and because you all believed the blood and you believe that he died on the cross. Oh, no, he updated that version. And he brought it right up. And notice what he says. In all them that believe because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Now, Paul knew he was the prophet messenger of the age. It was not enough in the days of Paul. Boy, some of you going to look at me funny. It was not enough in the days of Paul just to believe that Jesus died and rose again. It was not enough to say, well, Peter went fishing with him. That was not enough. You had to be updated to the message of the hour through the prophet of God. That's exactly right. Oh, my. That's what causes us to be so separated from the world. That's all right. It's worth it to me. When I get my body changed, I'll look back and say, praise be to God. Hey, let me tell you something, friend. I don't look right now with all the difficulty that the word has brought upon my life as an individual. I don't look back now with any regrets. I sure ain't going to when I turn into a young man. No, sir. The only regrets I've got is me. I ain't got none about him. Notice how he couples this now with verse 11, going from when the rapture will be consummated in a very similar way, the way the Lord Jesus said in Luke 21, when he talked about the signs of the time and how it would be. And then in verse 36, he said, pray you therefore always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all of those things which shall come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. Now watch how Paul captures the same thought in verse 11. Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure. Listen to this, how beautiful. All the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith and power. That's why I say the devil can't take our life. No, the devil cannot take our life. I don't care what he does. I don't care if it's cold, if it's flu, if it's COVID, if it's typhoid, if it's pneumonia. I don't care if it's a fever of 145. If it ain't your time to go, you ain't leaving. I said you ain't leaving. Why? Because the purpose of God, if Satan can defeat the purpose of God in my life, then maybe he can defeat the purpose of God in heaven. Maybe he can defeat the purpose of God. No, it cannot, will not, never has been, never will be defeated because God cannot make mistakes. 
God cannot say, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. I didn't realize. No, that's not my God. My God has never had a new thought about anything. Praise God. Notice this. In verse 42 now, the Lord Jesus says it this way. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, if the good man of the house would have known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Now we know the Lord Jesus likened his coming several in different parables as a thief in the night. Therefore be also ready for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. Now I found this amazing and setting on the history of this and let me read it to you. Julius Caesar's policy was never to forerun his soldiers of any set time of removal or onset that he might ever have them in readiness to draw forth whenever he would. Now think of it, they never knew. Now remember he was a great general and become a great leader, of course, of Rome. So he would never tell them. Now day after tomorrow, about eight o'clock, we're gonna do this and this and this, and then the next day after that, we'll march over here and do that. No, he would not give them an itinerary. And you know what it done? Then that meant every day they better be ready. Because if Caesar shows up tomorrow at 8 o'clock and you just happen to make a run to Dunkin' Donuts because you wanted none of them, one of them brand new pumpkin donuts and you wanted you some of that fancy coffee and you said, I'll be back in 10. I'll see you in a few minutes. And Caesar come and you wasn't there. I wouldn't want to have been on his bad side, would you? How much more? I don't want to be on God's bad side. Now you imagine then, so every day you would get up, you would be dressed for war, you would polish your boots, you would polish your armor, and you stood there day in and day out, and he didn't even show up. You say, oh my goodness, this was a waste of time. It was not a waste of time. You kept your head attached to your shoulders, just in case he did show up. So don't you see, this was the way the Lord Jesus was likening the bride. Now this is different, of course, than the church because the church looks for signs. Brother Donnie, what do you think? What do you think about COVID? What do you think about this and what do you think about that? Has the Lord, or I've had people during this COVID and all this to text and email, you know, has the Lord showed you anything? Has the Lord showed you anything, Brother Donnie? What about this and what about that? Somebody called Carol not long ago and said, this certain person wanted me to ask Brother Donnie. They don't come here. But wanted me to ask Brother Donnie what he thought about this and stuff is going on. Now, this other person was not living right so they basically wanted to get right if I thought the coming of the Lord was at hand. Well, that's not the way the bride looks at it. The bride lives ready, she eats ready, she sleeps ready, she gets up ready, she goes to bed ready. If she takes a nap between two and three, she's ready. When she wakes up, she's ready. When she goes to sleep at night, she's ready. Well, it didn't come today, but I was ready, praise God. I think I'll just go ahead and be ready tomorrow, and if you don't come tomorrow, I'm gonna be ready on Friday. Wow, that's the bride's mentality, because the bride already has been birthed in that channel of 
separation. To her, separation is not this horrible, terrible punishment that God puts upon her. But God is keeping her. God, oh my God, has called her out to himself. As a man would take a bride, and then whenever they exchange their vow, he would say to the girl, to the woman, be thou sanctified unto me according to the law of Moses and according to the promise to his prophet Abraham. Be thou sanctified, which meant that woman would lay with no other man. She would be running with no other man. She would be kissing no other man. She was sanctified or separated to that man. That's the bride. But the church loves the Lord Jesus. Oh, sure they do. They love his saving grace. Grace is one of the most favorite things that the church loves about Jesus. I hear a person talk about grace, grace, grace all the time. That's where they're living. They ain't got no farther than that. That's all you know about him is grace. But there's so much more to know about his personality than just grace. Now, don't get mad at me. Don't misunderstand me. One day, I ain't going to need no more grace. So what are you going to do for those of you that just sing about grace all the time and write about grace and read about grace? What are you going to talk about in eternity? You won't even know what to say. You won't even know how to love. You won't know how to worship because all your human mentality on the earth is grace, mercy, grace, mercy. What are you going to do when there ain't no more mercy? You won't need it. What are you going to do when there ain't no more blood? There'll come a time you will not need blood. You think of it. You will not even need faith because faith will end or terminate in sight. What are you going to do? Oh, oh my, what are you going to do? You better learn how to talk to him now. You better learn how to worship him now. You need to learn how to worship his person, not just the traits of what he's done for you. I don't just love God's grace. I love God. I don't just love God's kindness and God's blessings. I love him. I don't want to go live with his grace. I want to marry him. Notice this in the junction of time. Again, Brother Ben said, be alarmed when you see these things happening. We're at the end time, omnipotent speaks and a dead man, dead and lived again, stood on his feet and went to a banquet and each supper with him. Oh my, what happened some glorious day while we who were once dead in sin and trespasses, omnipotent spoke, we were going to hell, omnipotent spoke, we've raised from the dead to glory and someday we'll eat the banquet supper at the last days, omnipotent speak. God's word is omnipotent. We believe it. And the church said, and raised from death unto life. He that hears my words and believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die omnipotence. Praise God. I have already raised from the dead. What about you? Omnipotence has spoke. It spoke to my heart. It spoke to your heart. The miraculous was done. Once a little cowardly sinner, maybe a, you know, a drunkard, a cigarette smoker, a runner to dances, carrying on like that, omnipotent spoke, and you received it, and miraculous was done. You changed from death unto life, and forsaken your sinful ways, omnipotent spoke, and the miraculous was done. 
Certainly. Well, why would I stop believing that miraculous can still happen in this day? Why would I stop believing that omnipotence is still not speaking? There's people sitting in this church this morning, a few years ago was bound with cancer, dying. There's those sitting here that was crippled and lame and whole and withered and omnipotence spoke and the miraculous was done. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. I believe omnipotence can speak tonight right there in that hospital where Brother Gene Lehman is and the miraculous will take place. I believe omnipotence can speak to those in our church that have needs in their bodies or in their souls and the miraculous can take place. I believe omnipotence can speak and the miraculous can surge through my little daughter's body and in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, hallelujah, the healing power of Jesus Christ. I believe omnipotence can go to Virginia. Brother Ron Spencer and his church now fighting this battle with COVID, brother Ron with pneumonia and various things that he's dealing with. But all it takes is for omnipotence to speak and pneumonia has to leave the body. Omnipotence to speak. Oh, glory to God. And a dead man could get up out of his grave. Oh, you ought to say praise the Lord with me. Those of you that were dead in trespasses and sin and yet omnipotence spoke to your soul and your soul got up from the grave. Your soul raised from the dead and you're sitting here tonight in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Omnipotence spoke and the miraculous was done. Certainly sure. What is the sign? We're at the junction. We're at the crossroads. We're fixing to enter the millennium. Omnipotence is speaking. Angels are appearing. Prophets are coming. Prophets are prophesying. Visions are being poured out. Oh my. The gospel's being preached. The sick's being raised up. The blind sees. Now wait a minute. I, I thought that we in the message didn't need healing no more. Where'd you hear that lie? My goodness, saints. We've got more sick now. Here at one time, I'm sure that you know it. And all this COVID outbreak here in our church is over 70 people at one time with it. 70 of our people. That's bigger than a lot of message churches. We got 70 at one time. But thanks be to God. By his grace, he brought us through it. That's right. Oh, you say, well, if that power is so big, how come it didn't bring you out of it? It did bring me out. Well, how come it never kept you from it? Well, I don't know about that part of it. I'm still trying to figure that out. But you know what? It don't really matter. <laughs> I hope he keeps all the rest of you away from it. Praise the Lord. Is that right, Brother Mark? For those of you that's had it, man, there ain't but one person I'd like to see get COVID-19, 20, 21, 22, 23, and that's the devil, and he can't get it. I wouldn't wish that thing on nobody. But you say, well, it looks like to me if you got all this Holy Ghost, it'd keep you from everything. No, 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 you don't understand. My body is still more normal mortal. It is a normal human body with normal blood, with normal cells susceptible to cold and infections and flu and everything else. 
Praise the Lord. But one difference between us and everybody else. They took their zinc tablets. We took ours. They took their vitamin D. We took ours. They took their vitamin C, X, Y, Z. So did we. But when they was laying there chilling and fevering and scared to death they might not wake up, we was laying there fevering and chilling and said, praise God, be a good night to cross over. Be a good night to cross over to me. You see, we go through some of the very same things, but we have him who spoke peace to the water. We have him who spoke peace to the wind that goes through all of our trials with us. The gospel's being preached. The sick's being raised up. The blind sees. The deaf hears. Wow, all the miraculous happening. Look what else is happening. The devils are raging. Man, why in the world would you want to say that? Because you're at the junction. Look, friend, there's wonderful things that's happening among us. But there's all kinds of bad things happening among us as well. How do you figure anybody in our church is going to be healed if we all stay perfectly healthy? How do you figure we're going to see any miracles? The Lord gave me a sermon title whenever I was during this time of COVID. Woke me up about three in the morning, something like that, 3.30. And I heard him say these words, very peculiar. And he was not speaking to me personally now, but it was a sermon title. Can I borrow your body for a miracle? He did yours. And I laid there, Brother Darrell, and I thought, my goodness. Can I borrow your body? And I laid there and prayed and thought it through. I wanted to make sure he wasn't talking to me personally. <laughs> My Lord says, mean, I'm getting worse. <laughs> you know, and then, then I realized as the inspiration began to break on, he was not, not speaking to me personally, but he was speaking to me a sermon title. And I thought, what a phenomenal thing that if God were to ask you can I borrow your body? And I thought about the man there. Whenever the disciples said, Lord, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus said, neither one, but that the glory of God. What did he want to do? He wanted to borrow his body to display a miracle. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, children, if we could only look at it that way when sickness comes our way, when trouble comes our way and say, Lord, you want to borrow my body for a divine healing? You want to borrow my body, oh God, so I can stand up and give testimony? The doctor said this wouldn't happen and that wouldn't happen, but God borrowed my body and let omnipotence manifest itself through me. And what God, oh, hallelujah, what God said, himself said I will do the doctor said it's impossible faith does not make things easy faith makes them possible let me say it again faith does not make things easy faith makes things possible hallelujah hallelujah can you imagine in a sense the Lord Jesus could have said of the two in the field, of the two women grinding, he could have said to the one, can I borrow your body for a miracle? 
I believe there's people sitting right here in this place tonight that will have that very thing to happen to you. The Lord Jesus will borrow your body for a miracle. But it won't be a divine healing. It will be a change forever. Notice this, the prophet said, let any man or woman, any divine promise of God, when omnipotence speaks from the Bible, the miraculous will take place where that seed sets root in the heart of the man or the woman. It'll produce just exactly what the promise is because it's the word of the omnipotent. It has to. When God, Lord children, when God and a believer meets, there's two omnipotents. Because God, a man is a part of God, a son of God, see, and what little he joins, listen to this, what little he is joins with the entire body. And Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty two, if you say to this mountain, be moved and don't doubt in your heart, but believe what you've said. You can, it will come to pass, see, believe that what you said. And a Christian is so marked that around him is an atmosphere. A Christian is so marked that around him is an atmosphere. Can I go a little farther? Notice this, word become flesh. Look at this year, October the 3rd, 1954. And every word in the Bible is God's thoughts laid in seed form that if received into the human being and spoke by the same thought that materialized the Bible, brings the thing to pass. You see what I mean? How powerful could the church be? The Bible said, let this mind be in you, mind which was in Christ be in you. And as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Now your thoughts, if they become expression, like God said, let there be a world, before it could be a word, it had to be a thought. So God in the creation created the world by his thought first. Then spoke it and the thought expressed become material. See what I mean? Well, I don't know, y'all looking at me really funny. Now, it, this, is, this is you now. If that same spirit, glory to God, that said, let there be light, and there was light. That said, let there be trees, and there was trees. If that same mind that was in Christ be in you, how much could it say? Let there be no cancer. And it would be gone. Praise God. Let the blind eyes be opened. And it would be so, see, it's your thought. And why don't that happen? Because we quote the Logos. 
Lord, lay their hands on the sick. Lord, ask what you will in my name. If you'll save me this smile. Oh God, I believe it. Lord, I believe it. And we try with everything within us. But if he says it, if he thinks it, children, I hope you don't think I'm crazy. It's just as powerful as when he was there on the circle of eternity. There was no light meters. There was no atoms. There was no time. There was nothing. And he said, let there be. But notice how Brother Branham reverses this and says, if it was the same one that said, let there be. But in this situation of a person like this, the person has cancer. So you're not wanting to say, let there be more, but let there be none. So what are you doing? Reversing. Reversing what's grown in your body. A bruised cell and it started dividing. Or from a chemical exposure, whatever more that it started. And it started dividing and splitting and dividing and the T-cells and on and on and on and on. And it growed into something that was a foreign thing inside of your body. But the same Lord Jesus that said, let there be light, took your mouth and your heart and your mind and your ability to say the word. But it was him inside of you. 985 times before this, you quoted the same scriptures and the same quotes. But this time, it was him saying it. And he said let there be no cancer. And God took your little frail voice. But that devil didn't hear you. That devil heard the voice of the Creator. Let there be no cancer and it would be gone. Let the blind eyes be opened and it would be so. See, it's your thought. Jesus said, you said that was Jesus. But wait a minute. He said, have faith in God. For verily, verily, I say unto you, if you shall say to this mountain, be moved, plucked up, and cast into the sea, and don't doubt in your heart, but believe that what you say. But the thing of it is, friends, we don't believe what we say. And if there's things in our life that's in our way, we ain't got no right to believe. But part of you, you ain't got things in your life. You're just afraid of failure. You're afraid. I've made so many mistakes. What if I say, what if I step out there and say I'm healed and then I die? You did not lie. You're confessing God's word. By his stripes, I'm healed. You didn't get healed of the cancer, maybe, or get healed of the TB, but you got healed of your mortality. You got healed. You did not lie. You were saying the word. God cannot lie. Praise the Lord. Oh my, you shall have whatsoever things thou sayest. Is that right? You shall have it. Not me. You shall have it. What power has been given to the church? Now you can express it by mental conception. But if it becomes a real revelation of God that you see it, praise God. You see it before it happened and express it in word form. That word takes a hold and becomes material, a thought expressed. What is it? A, B, C. You accept it, you believe it, you confess it. And keep saying it over and over again until you believe it. Amen. Then when the man down in the engine room gets a hold of that word, look out, cancer, look out, devil, look out, corruption, whatever it is. 
Oh my, let me go just a few moments more close. Oh my, how God, see, if your heart and your mind is so infilled with God's spirit, no way we can believe this is true. No way, now, now y'all don't believe this, right? I'm just going to go ahead and read it, but there ain't nobody here that believes this, are they? Really? Until your thoughts become his thoughts. Oh, you said them days are over, Brother Donnie. Really? Well, where did Jesus say that? Now, I must have missed that in reading the Bible. I thought my Bible said he was the same yesterday, today, and forever. I thought the power of God is supposed to be right down to the rapture. Oh, there ain't going to be no world-shaking revival. We're not the world. I've got a right to revival. I'm bride. Praise be to God. There's folks falling out of love. There's folks that's getting divorced. There's folks that's doing all kinds of things like that. That ain't going to affect me and my sweetheart. I love her now more than I've ever loved her in my life. So other people getting divorced ain't got no effect on me and Carol. Come on, saints. Other, other folks that are separating husbands and wives and wives running around on husbands and so forth, that has nothing to do with me and her because our marriage is sacred. Our marriage is our marriage, and we want it to be a good one. Well, the world ain't going to have no revival. That ain't got nothing to do with me. I'm bride. I'm chosen. Praise be to God. I can have bride revival, and the revival, the prophet said, don't mean that your church is going to have a revival, but the revival may begin in you. You were well, Brother Donnie, so-and-so's backside. What's that got to do with you and your husband, the Lord Jesus? There you are. When your mind and your leading and your guiding becomes a direct place or a direct inspiration of the Holy Spirit that's moving your mortal being. Oh, God, what kind of people should we be? If the very Holy Spirit has you so embodied or empowered that you don't use your own thoughts, you don't use your own mind, you don't use your own opinion, but the Holy Spirit has you so built unto your thoughts and your being is God's Spirit. Lord have mercy. Expressing itself through you. What kind of a church should we be? What kind of a people would it be this morning if this Branham Tabernacle this morning was so filled with the presence of God while when you didn't even use your own mind, didn't even use your own thoughts, didn't even have no alternative of your own, but just to be led by the Spirit. Now I challenge any person here or any person around the world that will hear this sermon and you stand and show me the quote or quotes where Brother Branham ever stands in the Branham Tabernacle and says, remember what I said back in 1954? It's fulfilled in us today. Well, now either he knew what he's talking about and it's going to be fulfilled by somebody. What was many of the people of the Branham Tabernacle doing, fussing and fighting over who's going to be the leader, who's going to be this, and that's trying to make Brother Branham God. Well, come on, could you be Jesus or you look like Jesus or something like that? You know, Brother Branham, you know, and you think, Lord, have mercy. That's what they was focusing on. This was what God wanted to bring the bride to. 
And they was more concerned about Brother Branham being the son of man or Brother Branham being this, you know, or, or, or could you look like Jesus or Jesus look like you or, or something like that. Brother Branham, are you, are you the only one to preach? This was the mentality of some of the people. Not all, but this was the mentality of some of the people. Brother Branham, are you the only one to preach? We don't think, we've seen you ordain preachers to preach and we don't think that, that you would do that if it wasn't right. Brother, sister, ever who told you that? I would be a poor representative before God to do all of that. Can't you see that old deity devil that was hanging around the Branham Tabernacle? They could never, many of them never arrived to this spot right here. Why? Because they wanted to focus on Brother Branham. Brother Branham, the focus, my friends, is not Brother Branham. The focus is the Lord Jesus and his bride. The focus is not Donnie Reagan. It's not this preacher, that preacher. It is a bride move with a bride revival, with a bride knowing who she is. Praise God. Let me read this last one. And they that are sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Then when the human element goes out and the Spirit of God feels that vacancy where you empty yourself, amen, then will the church, praise God, then will be the church in its power of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus will walk in his steps, in his power, in his thoughts, in his being, in his moving. You see what I mean? Then your thoughts, your thoughts will become words. And words will become material. That's when the church is in its power. And this is what Brother Branham believed about those words. I believe it's on its road. When the church will be so wrapped in Christ. Can't you see why Satan wants us message people to believe it's all over? It's all done. God done everything he wanted to do in Brother Branham and now we're just to sit around and barely hang on and barely make it from one service to another. No, no. My God is as great tonight as he was in 1956 when this was quoted. I believe it's on its road when the church will be so wrapped in Christ, the Holy Spirit, mankind so away from themselves that they don't see themselves. Thoughts, but to serve God, and their thoughts move on. They refuse the things of the world. They just move in the Spirit, live in the Spirit, move in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, so fulfill the law of Christ in the love of Christ in the human heart, moving in the Holy Ghost. That great, wonderful church will go forth with power and deity because deity will be revealed in human beings by the Holy Spirit, bringing to pass the thought of their mind. Question answers is a really good gauge of where the message people were when Brother Branham was here. You look at the questions they were asking him, it'll give you a pretty good gauge and idea of where they were. Did the majority of them ever grasp this? Can you point me to a half a dozen churches? where deity is bringing to pass the words. Can you point me to some around the message, around the world, around the globe? So are we following a message, a preacher, a prophet who was a liar? 
Are we following a man that said things that he knew would never come to pass? Brother Don, there's no way you can believe that can come to pass. I absolutely believe it will come to pass. Why? Don't you understand what he's reading? The book of Acts. He's quoting in his Kentucky lingo, the book of Acts. That's the way they lived. Glory be to God. Let's stand together. Praise God. How many believes it? To make great people out of us? No. Can't you see what so many of the message preachers have done? Look at, they build their little kingdom, their little this and that and the other, and they get a revelation of this and that, and they've got to be the big man, and they've got to do, you know, whatever more, and how much has God done for them? What has God entrusted them with with supernatural? Don't show me your doctrines. Let me see the power of God. Praise the Lord. Listen, Happy Valley, we've seen God do some great things among us. I believe with all of my heart, if all of us would get where we need to be, we have seen nothing compared to what our God will do. Is it so you can go around and tell everybody, oh, move, move to Happy Valley, come, come see what Brother Donnie's doing. If you do that, you'll kill it in its tracks. Don't point them to Brother Darrell. Don't point them to me. Don't point them to any other minister here in this church. Point them up this way. If anything is accomplished, it'll have to be the Lord Jesus. You believe it with all your heart. Look where we are. Evil, wickedness, wretched sin, darkness, pollution of the world. Look where we are. If that is here, then omnipotence must be here. And if it's here, he wants to express himself. I told him yesterday in prayer, I said, Lord, I'm not here to trouble you. I'm not here to bring my list, as it were. But I'll bring these needs to you. Because they're so great and there's so many. But I believe you desire. I said, as a matter of fact, I believe it this way, Lord. You take joy out of expressing yourself and healing your children's bodies. You take joy out of absolutely reversing a doctor's report. He loves making doctors testify. I don't know what happened. I honestly don't know. <laughs> That's my daddy. That's your daddy. Maybe if you're sick here tonight, Maybe if you're down in your spirit, maybe you need a, a miracle. The Lord Jesus may have passed by your way this very night. Or somebody over in Australia that'll hear this service tomorrow. And that, what I said about borrowing your body for a miracle, captured your soul. It's just like it honed in on you. And you said, yes, Lord, that's me. I've got lingering effects, God, of this old COVID. I'm dizzy. I'm, I'm nauseated. I'm sick. I'm coughing. I've this and that and the other. Jesus, you want to borrow my body? Here's my body, Jesus. Hallelujah. I don't do it that Brother Donnie will get glory, that I'll get glory. Lord Jesus, you want a body to heal from the after effects? 
I give you mine tonight, Lord. Oh, glory be to God. Wow. Praise God. We hit a channel there. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, Jesus. Glory be to God. I'm in here to the sound of my voice here, maybe streaming in your home. You're willing to give Jesus your body tonight. Can you borrow your body for a miracle? Think through what you're saying. He may let you go a little bit further beneath what you are in order to make it more miraculous. But you can trust Him. You can trust Him. Praise God. Maybe some of you don't need a miracle, but you sure need a healing touch tonight. Lord, you can have my body. I've still got a lingering cough, Lord. I've got this, that, the other. Lord, I never had COVID, but God, you see, I've got high blood, and I've got this and that and the other. Lord, I gave you my body to perform a miracle. Praise God. Thank you for this channel, Lord Jesus. It's wonderful when we arrive in this place, God. This is what a servant of God longs to sense when it moves over in that channel of the Holy Ghost. Father, may you anoint their hearts now. I pray in the name of Jesus. Lord God, sometimes you may want me to speak the word over my brother Daryl or maybe some other minister. But sometimes, Father, you want to take their own mouth. Hallelujah. And use their own lips. They might even be so afraid when it happens and they tremble as the word leaves their mouth. And all they hear is their voice. But that high blood pressure heard the same voice that spoke to the winds on the Sea of Galilee. That demon of of hypertension, it didn't hear their voice. It didn't hear the trembling voice of one of our sisters. It heard the voice of the resurrection. That hypertension had to turn her loose. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, we worship you tonight, Father. We bless your holy name, Lord God. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, as far as I know, I don't need a miracle tonight. But, Father, I feel I've done my part in that I give you my body so you could speak your words through me. Oh, Lord, now I pray those that need healing or those that need a touch, those that might need a miracle, may they be willing to say, Lord, I loan you my body for a miracle. That man that day must have been so downtrodden and so sad. He'd come year after year, time after time, but somebody would get in front of him every time. There he'd had that thing for 38 years. But Jesus come through the pool and said it to him in this way in relation to this sermon title. Can I borrow your body for a miracle? Would thou be made whole? Well, he said, I'd love to be, but every time I go to get in, somebody jumps in front of me and 
I, I, I can't get in myself. But you spoke the words to him, Lord. We believe you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Speak to hearts right here tonight, Lord God. Father, you see, Lord, our brother Gene Lehman, Sister Janet, Lord, and Sister Teresa here tonight, dear God, and having to meet with the doctors today. Lord, they didn't have a really good report to tell them. They want them to think about some decisions that they may have to make. But Lord God, it wasn't their decision that brought Brother Gene here anyway. It wasn't the decision of that doctor or them nurses who's been taking care of him whenever that little baby was born about 84 years ago. He was brought here on the earth by the divine decree of the Almighty God. So it ain't going to be Sister Janet's decision or Sister Teresa's decision or no doctor's decision in some ER somewhere that says, well, today Gene dies. Gene don't die till God says today is Gene's day. And God won't say it that way no way, but God will say, come on home whenever he is ready to call. God, until you do, if you want him to outlive all the rest of us, he'll do it. Because Satan ain't got enough power to take him. Lord God, we join our faith together tonight, God. Lord, with our sisters and the rest of the family. Oh, Jesus, Brother Gene can't hear us. He can't be able to pray with us tonight. But Father, in the name of Jesus, may the Holy Spirit of God go down right now in our brother's room where he is. Lord, you see the report of the doctors. God, we're reminded of you who was able to raise a man from the dead who had been dead for four days. And even when you told his sisters, roll back the stone, they said, Lord, by now he stinks. But that didn't make no difference. The resurrection was there. Heavenly Father, if you could raise a man who had been dead for four days, I know you can walk into the Johnson City Medical Center. Walk right into that room right now where our brother is and make a turnaround in his body. Heavenly Father, what we want tonight is your will. If it's your will to take our brother, we wouldn't want to keep him here one day, but we ain't going to give him up just because the doctor says so. Lord God, we join together tonight in the name of Jesus. May the Spirit of God move for our brother, Lord. Granted, I pray, Father, I pray for Sister Janet, his beloved wife, his daughter, Lord, his granddaughters, other, <clears throat> other family members, Lord. It's been so difficult for them. They can't go see him and all this, Lord. It's such a terrible time. God, with all this COVID going on, I pray that you'd bring peace and comfort to their hearts tonight as well, Lord. May you help them in the days that lay ahead, Father God, to know they're not cutting their li- his life off. They're not pulling the plug on him, as we'd say. God, they're committing him to you. And knowing, Lord God, that his life is in your hands. You was there when he took that first breath. You'll be here when he takes the last. Be with our brother, Lord God. We love him so much. Granted, I pray, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 We worship you tonight, Lord. Hallelujah. Can we just worship him a little bit? Thank you, Heavenly Father. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Father, you see the need in my brother's body.
I lay my hands on him. Lord, I pray that you would just touch him. Lord, you see the email that he sent me, Father, and the request that he had. I ask you, God, that you'd minister to him, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Grant it, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You can have my body tonight, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. We worship you tonight, mighty God. We bless your name, Lord. Glory be to God. Anybody want to help me worship the King? Praise God. Don't just love him for his grace now. Don't just love him for his blessings. Love him. Worship him tonight, not because, well, he saved me from sin and I was on my way to hell. That's good. That's, that's good. But what are you going to praise him about when you get there to heaven? You want to come in such contact with him that you know him and you love him and you worship him for who he is, his greatness, his mercy. Oh, blessed God, we worship you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We bless your name tonight, Father. Glory be to God. Lord, may ever God call man, give his body, his voice, Hallelujah, for you to borrow, for you to be able to speak the words of life to the bride. Lord, so many around the world are so discouraged, so downhearted by the time we're living in, but God, may the ministers give their bodies as a voice, Lord, to encourage, to uplift the bride during this time, Father. Lord God, may the singers, may the musicians, may every one of us give our bodies, give our minds, our souls, our beings to be an encouragement to the people of God. Granted, I pray, Lord Jesus, we worship you tonight, Father. We bless your name, Lord. Forgive us if we've made it anything, Lord Jesus, but what it ought to be to you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. When the music fades, when all the songs have quit sung, Lord, we want it to be about you. Oh, God, we want it to be all about you, not who gets, who's the best singer, not who has the most vibrato on the voice and who gets the most hand claps. No, God, but we want it to be all about you. Oh, hallelujah, Father, may we move beyond. Well, this is my favorite way to sing it. This is my favorite. It ain't about our favorite way. It's about us praising and loving and adoring you, Lord. We give you our voices. We give you our hands. We give you our bodies. Hallelujah. If you need somebody tonight, oh God, that'll worship you. I give you my hands. I give you my mouth. I give you my voice, oh Lord. We worship you tonight, Jesus. We bless your name, oh God. Hallelujah. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. Can we sing it together? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We worship you tonight, Father, with all of our hearts. Minister to every heart, Lord. Then in turn, let us minister back to you, Lord Jesus. Sing it for us, Harry. Let's just worship him together now, can we? Praise be to God. When the music Thank you, Lord Jesus. Think about it now. All has slipped away. All has slipped away. And I simply come. Thank you, Lord Jesus. What do you want to do? Longing just to breathe. Yes, Lord. 
something that's of worse that will bless your heart. I bring you more than a song, for the song itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within, through the way things appear, you're looking into my
praise Him just for another minute tonight? My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none.
so good to be in service. So appreciate the word tonight. Just remember the services. Kind of month, the weekend. I guess it'll be the new group for the next services, right? So let's just sing this tonight. The more that I surrender in Jesus as we're dismissed. The more that I surrender, the life.